huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Will I am founder of the Black Eyed Peas like you've never seen him before. Right from the off, we go deep down in the rabbit hole of artificial intelligence. We talk about the misconceptions of ADHD, the scam of the school system, and content I can guarantee you, you have never heard Will I Am share before. Will, um, Elon Musk said that um, he was more scared about AI than nuclear weapons, and you predicted the rise of AI. So are you excited or scared about AI? I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it because if you're from the Congo or you're from the South Bronx, if you're from Compton, if you're from any place where humans are responsible for the underserved, underdeveloped, no opportunity, then finally you have a tool to change and transform your community for the better yourself by identifying um, the configuration of your environment, seeing the problems, you've lived through the problems. Now you have a tool to help you resolve that problem. Um, so because of that, I'm excited that there's people of the world that have been ignored by humans to finally have the tools to transform and change their environment themselves. So where a lot of people who are human are scared of AI, you think maybe AI is superior to humans? No, you say? No, 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 no. I'm saying it's all math. So AI is just math. It's like a calculator to help mathematicians do math faster, right? Hmm. So is a calculator superior to mathematicians? No, right? And so mathematicians are still superior supreme. Although it can calculate, right? The calculator cannot, you know, it doesn't understand. And although AI can calculate and give you the illusion it understands, it doesn't have empathy, doesn't have love, and so when you have empathy, love, understanding, and desire to create, no, AI is not superior to, to people. Mm. What I'm, what my comparisons to underdevelop, underserve, is identifying that somebody is responsible for not developing and not serving. Now people have the tools to serve and develop themselves. It's advanced math, mm. right? And yeah, AI could go wrong like nuclear went wrong. Mm. And if it goes wrong, it's gonna go wrong because of what? Because of people. Now, to people that are suffering in the Congo is because of what, AI? No, people. So I take what Elon said, right? He's smart. He didn't say anything false, but it's people he's afraid of. Nuclear AI, at the end of the day, it's people. Their intentions, their morals, their practices, their incentives, and the havoc they, they, we, we've caused to other people. And so the optimist, a person that came out of a struggle via technology, the folks that are afraid of technology are the folks that, are, that have sat on the lap of comfort 
the lap of lux, right? And, and what about the folks that can be uh, catapulted to a, a different um, living environment because of it mm. themselves? I'm very proud to say this episode is sponsored by AG1. As you know, we're more than 1,000 episodes into Disruptors, and I very rarely have sponsors. I'm really choosy on sponsors, and I only pick people that I love myself and I use myself. I have turned down loads of sponsors, but personally, I've been using AG1 for nearly 14 years myself before we ever did a sponsorship deal with them. For me, AG1 really helps with my mental focus, clarity, and overall well-being. As someone who's really freaking busy and can't always sit down and eat a million vegetables in a day, knocking back a big pint full of AG1 in the morning is perfect for me. Of course, health is wealth, and I'm in my mid-40s. I'm realizing that more and more. So if you'd like to try AG1 yourself with a special exclusive offer that I have for you right now, go to drinkag1.com forward slash disruptors. That's drinkag1.com forward slash disruptors and get a free year supply of vitamin D3, K2 and five travel packs with your first purchase on me. So one more time, that's drinkag1.com forward slash disruptors. AG1, thanks for sponsoring the show. You are legends. In the music industry, AI seems to be really disrupting. Yeah. Um, this show is called Disruptors. It's one of my favourite subjects. And um, I mean, I had a conversation with my progressive rock idol, Stephen Wilson, and he said that you could request to AI to have a will I am hit in the style of death metal mm. in one minute long, and it could just come up with that music. In 30 seconds. Yeah. Is that good or bad for the music industry and musicians and creativity? That's awesome. I was talking to one, I'll say the sentence this way. I was talking to one of my uh, yoga instructors and he was saying, or she was saying, or they were saying, you could tell the, yo the AI yoga to do a downward doggy and it does it. <laughs> that don't mean it's gonna do it for you, bro. It ain't gonna stretch for you. You still have to stretch. So for any creator that's like, oh, AI is gonna create. Okay, that's cool, but I need to create. This is my stretching. Me writing is my therapy. And the only person that's going to rinse me out is me. So I don't give a fuck if AI can make a song in 30 seconds. So what? Why are people so scared of it doing things like that? Like in the film industry, they're scared of it being able to essentially replace their career. Everyone seems so scared. Because I think people forgot that these industries were the advanced technology at some point in time. Like we have to remember that in 1823, what we call the music industry right now didn't exist. 1723, the concept of songs that we know now, that was not the concept of song. 1623, 1523, 1423, the printing press had not been invented yet. So sheet music and orchestras playing through sheet music like they easily do now did not exist in 1423. Yes, there was sheet music, but it being ready at a snap Somebody had to chart it out by hand. Not, there, was, there probably wasn't that many orchestras. And if they were, they were in the church. That was the music experience in 1423, 1323. What, what, was, what songs were people singing that summer? That hot summer of 
1323. <laughs> like, yo, that shit was the shit. Seen that shit again? Yo, you heard that shit? Do, 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 do. Like, that's not what the fuck was happening. <laughs> so you got to think of music in its entirety, technology in its entirety, to think about where we are right now. And where we are right now is a disruption to the music industry, not to music. This concept of recording music, do you actually have to record anymore? In this entertainment industry, there's three industries. Recording music, touring music, publishing music. All separate legal departments, all separate industries that give separate advances for artists to make money. And the streaming industry has already disrupted the recording industry. I remember recording songs, selling recordings, and it's far more rewarding than streaming recordings. So speaking of disruption, but we've managed to accept streaming versus recordings. So what, we're just gonna, we're just going to freaking like comp, contradict ourselves as far as the next evolution of a music experience? I think a fourth industry is going to rise. There's gonna be predictive industry, essence. And in that predictive industry, artists, essence and likeness, you need to own that. Like we have credit cards. In 1723, there probably wasn't credit cards. 1823, the concept of credit is not what it was right now. 1923, did I say 1923 already? Yeah. 1923, <laughs> the concept of credit card was not what we know of it today. And in 2023, we know what credit is. We know what like, you know, mobile payments, mobile banks, branchless banks, cloud, crypto, it's all new stuff. So when it comes to banking your data, where, where, where's my data bank? We know data's gold. Like, and we know the companies that are leveraging your data, data monarchies. And they do such a good job of it that you don't even know the power of your own data. There's not even a place that's like, you need to bank your data with us. The data bank you could trust. There's not even a fucking commercial <laughs> for that yet. Yeah. Why is that important? Because eventually you're gonna have your own personal AI and your data bank is going to be responsible for prompting the AI for you, not AI you access. Like imagine you bought a nice house and you went to the, the person that sold the house. You'd be like, excuse me, sir. Uh, I noticed there's no bathroom here. Where's the toilet? Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. There's um, a toilet you can share. The whole neighborhood shares this toilet. Like, get the fuck out of here. Why in the fuck am I gonna buy a house where we all in the neighborhood share a toilet. And the reason why they did that is to bank everybody's shit in the neighborhood to make sense of that shit and sell it to companies. Like imagine that was the case, but that's not the case. But it probably is because they, we all share the same plumbing, different toilets, same plumbing. So we don't know if they're banking our shit, no pun intended on shit, but we do know they're banking your data. We know they're leveraging your shit. We know the cookie monster has their hands in the cookie jar. They make its nice little word called cookies for it to throw you off on the importance of that data. So yeah, I think it's important for people to understand the power of their data. We, we are just right here in a new um, renaissance. Music and AI is cute, it's awesome. It's not gonna be therapeutic for the people that rely on music to express themselves for, for uh, that's therapy, I have a broken heart. I gotta write it out. I'm concerned about the world. Oh, I gotta write it out. 
I just experienced the world in a beautiful place, in a beautiful way. I got to write this out. Yes, cool. AI is great. Do that. Mm. Right. There's about three ways my mind is going. I want to go to this data banking, if it's okay, because um, I met a billionaire about four years ago who became a friend who said to me that the future of social media is where instead of Facebook and TikTok owning your data, you own your data. Mm. And then you can port that across any social media channel. Mm. And I thought, what a great idea. You know, for example, when I start my new TikTok, I could port over my half a million or my million Facebook followers. But then I thought, why would Facebook want me to do that? Why would the big data companies want me to be my own data bank when they want to be the, the, the data bank, just like the main banks wouldn't want me to be my own bank when they're the main banks. Prostitutes say the same thing about pimps, but keep going. Right. Somebody's making money off of you. <laughs> I need to wrap my head around that one a little bit. Yeah, so um, wouldn't the big data bankers... Pimps. Pimp, yeah, wouldn't the pimps stop the prostitutes becoming decentralized and independent? Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that, when it comes to physical abuse, that pimps have on their prostitutes. Right. And even theirs, the prostitutes that work for the pimps. Think about the psychological manipulation that happens between pimp and prostitute, where there's a price put on you and somebody else is profiting more than you and you're out there doing all the work. Think about the, the abuse, the mental abuse that's happening there. Now, here we are in a digital realm, and the only way you could enter these services that they provide for free is to sell all of your self, where they could predict you. They understand you more than you understand you. And that understanding is for sale. They could put ads for it. You're now scrolling, getting bombarded by like hate because the algorithm is based on hate and conflict. Like what gets seen the most on these platforms anyhow? Somebody doing good stuff or somebody doing bad stuff? The algorithm is tuned for bad stuff. You could go and like do philanthropic stuff or you could go out into the supermarket and do the hideous stuff. What's gonna get seen the most? Your philanthropic post or your hideous post? And then what do you scroll through? What's popping up at you? I thought we went there to follow folks that we want to follow. Now I'm, we're following stuff that I don't want to follow, suggested stuff. And you got more suggested stuff thrown at you than the things from the people that you selected to follow. That's digital pimping by leveraging your data and then selling that data to then throw stuff that you don't want at you. Then your whole freaking brain is now remapped because you've been desens desensitized by seeing hideous shit. You went to search for something fun or something gnarly, or something disturbing, and out comes an ad, right? Hey, did you see what happened there? They dropped the bomb and da 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 And you went to search, and then they're selling you products around that? That's crazy, right? Mm. That's digital pimping. And you being your own data bank is the rebellion against that? No. No? Rebellion, I'm not, that's a very heavy word. The rebellion is gonna come from, if there was a rebellion, Gen Z's version of um, Gen X's products. Gen Zers, what's after Gen Z? I'm old. <laughs> they haven't, they're, they're at it, but competing with Facebook, they haven't done that yet. And when they do that, it'll be a little bit more 
humane and moral because their moral compass is we're seeing what Gen Z stands for, right? And um, yeah, let's hope that Gen Zers, I know you guys out there, one of you guys is fucking getting ready to freaking go head to head with the Giants. And that rebellion, when there's an option, when there's options that are just as um, gra- the gravity, um, I know for me, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer with the heart of a Gen Zer. And our business practice for FYI is your data is your data. Here's an elliptical curve cryptography key for it, right? Come to FYI, collaborate, create, um, manifest your ideas. It stands for focus your ideas with AI. Uh, and what's yours is yours, right? So there's some start of like options for folks. You want a messenger, a better messenger where you don't have to like have a file management, a Dropbox on a WhatsApp, and then a WeTransfer for large files and an email to open up those WeTransfer files. Like why, why are we all over the place? Why can't we just be in one place where you could send large files secured in the same place where your conversations are and you build projects to manifest your ideas? Like why can't a messenger be, you know, broader? Why is a message just text and images? Why can't a message be the whole entire project? And so, you know, that's our contribution to providing options by solving a problem that people don't really realize is a problem when you're having your conversations in the comments, the conversations on the message, conversations on the email. Meanwhile, your IP and the copyright is, you know, at jeopardy because every company's tools that you use for free have terms and conditions that you never read. Mm. We'll come back to the AI AI side in a moment. I'm just wondering, because you've talked a lot about humanity, Mm. and I get the sense that you really care about humanity. How how do you think we're doing as a race right now, as humanity? I'm optimist, I think we're doing, I mean, we're doing, we could be doing better, but we're doing good. Well, people are awesome. You see it at the concerts, people are awesome. You see it invisibly when you watch people go about going from point A to point B. The difference between people walking on the street and driving on the street, people are awesome. People don't run into people in cars. They're patient. If a car stops and you're walking across the street, we say, oh, thank you. Like People are great. If you look at the core of people, we're all right. And then there's greed. And the question mark on the intentions of people is when greed there's a lot of greedy, oh, sorry, there's a few greedy folks that are responsible for a lot of suffering. Is it possible to become successful, wealthy, and influential and not greedy? Yeah, there's a dude named Mark Benioff, founder yes. of Salesforce. Yes. Heart of gold. Mm. There's, a, there's a couple of people out there that are like, yo, everybody was like that cat, yo, mm. we're going to be all right. Mm. Why can't everybody be like him? I don't know. I don't know, but there's a Gen Zers, a lot of people, a lot of Gen Zers will be like him. Gen Zers are awesome. And there's a couple of Gen Zers that are going to be kind of like rotten, right? Not every one of them are going to be awesome, but I think the majority of Gen Zers, because they're born with the, in a connected world already, mm. right? They, they are digitally native. Mm. And that brings the, this connected oneness already. And it's, it's automatic to them. Mm. Do you think social media's been good for humanity? On a larger part, yeah. It, it, it has provided wealth for folks that 
the traditional entertainment paths would have the, the, the gatekeepers probably wouldn't have let them in. So social media kind of like broke through these these uh, these barricades that the entertainment industry um, but the entertainment industry didn't do that on purpose It's just limited because film costs a lot of money. Re microphones and traditional microphones and tape to record albums and lacquer needle to lacquer to record it costs a lot of money a studio was like a a city block long the council to mix the songs on were like pretty pretty big required lots of energy um, electricity engineers and so who got a record deal you had to be super selective because it was expensive to record songs and films Tape, what went on the tape was like, yo, we got to make sure, we got to rehearse. Why we got to rehearse? Well, shit, what's this tape? This tape's fucking expensive. This film's expensive. So let's rehearse. So people's skill sets were like, uh, always vibrating at high frequency because to record it down to film and tape was expensive. So now here we have this thing, not expensive, to record. It's expensive to make this, but the people that made this, people paid with their lives for you to have it for cheap. It's expensive as fuck actually. But to put information on it, the memory is not like tape. It's not like film. So the skill level to enter here probably is not the skill level of a Roberta Flack or a, you know, the recording industry skill level or the acting industry, the, the, the movie industry skill level, but the abundance, the amount of people that can make a living from here so first, the quality, the, the appreciation of talent and quality comes down, but the abundance of how many people benefit and can make a living from it is awesome. It, democratization, and that's great. Diversity, that's great. Um, inclusion, that's amazing. Uh, so yeah, social media has been awesome, but also has been bad. Um, the mount, that's because the algorithm. The algorithm promotes the most hideous shit sometimes. Makes people feel ugh, bad. Suicide has went up. Depression has gone up. The hate. Because the algorithm fans hate. Mm. Amplifies hate. And if they could tweak the algorithm, probably the companies that are incent have incentives to keep it as it is are going to be um, rendered obsolete when Gen Z says, nah, I think there's a better way to do it. So we're relying on Gen Z. Whether the Gen Z is doing that or folks that have the heart of a Gen Z, of the Gen Z, to bring Zen, my G. See, I did to flip the words. Now. <laughs> yeah. From Gen Z to Gen, my Z, to Zen, my G. Yeah, yeah. Wordplay. Word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, we were just having this conversation in the car because I did possibly the most meaningful interview in a thousand that I've done last week from a lady who basically was a sex slave and human trafficked and her own pair her own parents um, sold her to be killed and the algorithm gave it nothing nothing no reach on TikTok on YouTube and it really made me sad actually because some of our more gimmicky, clickbaity um, content, millions of views. Mm. And I used to be an artist and I'm quite a creative initially, like from who I am. And 
I really wrestle with that. Like that causes me pain because I'd love to just do great work with meaningful people having amazing conversations. Like I don't really edit the conversations. I don't take quirky bits out. So it's zip, 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 like Mr. Beast stuff is zip, 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 zip. And I just wonder if I'm old and I'm stuck. No, I'm not stuck. It's just a, a personal mm. tension that mm. I have where I also know that I want my work to be seen. Mm. Do you have that conflict? And is there anything you'd say about playing to the algorithm versus just relentlessly doing your good work and in 10 years someone will notice you? Yeah, so I'm gonna, a, a powerful question, powerful insight. Um, there's a song that we did called Street Living. And to me, if you were to say, hey, out of all the songs you've written, what is the, which one do you like the most? I love Where's the Love. This is before the algorithm though. It's just like the people, you know, human selection. So that song was big because people selected it. And now the algorithm filtering it is what we are living in now. Street living, I think is like music. The chord progressions are like real sentimental, heavy, somber. And then the lyrics that we're saying over it, street living, caught in a trap, guns or books, sell crack or rap, right? Before we wrote both of those songs, I wrote a song called, They Don't Want Music. We did that with James Brown. Why is that important? Because it's all been just like an experiment for me to understand what's going on. Listen to the chorus. Sorry, too much though. They said break bread with your enemies. <laughs> you don't want it in this town. I say go further. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Listen to the chorus. Mm. The chorus is pretty freaking, uh, God darn it. Here it goes, check out this chorus. Here comes the chorus, check it out. Right? They don't want music, they just want boom. And so Street Living to Boom Boom Pow is proof of that. So in 2005, we wrote that with James Brown. And I'm like, yo, popular culture is great, but the I don't think they want music. It's 2005. By 2009, we released Boom Boom Pow. That shit was one of our biggest songs. Mm -hmm. We say, one time I was in, going to a train in Japan, somebody came up to us and they were like, wait a John, Black Eyed Peas, I love the Boom Boom Pow. You say boom 300 times, 300 sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, wait, you've been sitting there counting how many times I said boom, 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 <laughs> gotta get that boom, boom, boom. They counted the booms, bro. Counted the booms to the point where they're like, when I see Will, I am, I'm going to tell him how many times I realized he said the word boom. And then after that, right, Boom Boom Pow came out. If you ask me, yo, what's that song about? What's Boom Boom Pow about? Like lyrically, be like, ah, oh, song's about the beat. It's about like literally the kick. Boom, boom, boom is the kick. I'm talking about. If, if like if you would if I were to walk into the room and be like okay there's a window here there's plants there's this table there's these cameras and I'm just like giving you a download of what I'm seeing so what is Boom Boom Pow about oh it's the download of the Sonics 
So it's really, really about nothing, which is cool because sometimes escape, sometimes like, you know, you, not everything has to be like deep. Mm. And I like to get deep, but the people don't want that. That's why people stay at the beach and a few people go scuba diving. Like how many people are like, yo, let's go scuba diving. How many people is buying scuba gear right now versus bikinis? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what sells more, bikinis or scuba gear? Same with music, same with the algorithm. It's the unfortunate state of current reality. So after Boom Boom Pow blew up, we released Street Lemon. And lo and behold, 7 million views. To 400 and something million views. Mm. To a testament in 2005, they don't want music. They just want Boom. So we gave them Boom. We gave them Boom 324 times. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Yuki-san. Thank you so much for pointing that out. <laughs> uh, like that is still causing me some pain. Um, yeah, because well, l- l- let me throw it. This isn't about me; it's about you. So, no, but as a creator, I do both. That was yeah. As a creator, you still have to like make dessert and the delicious nutrition nutrition meal. But if people keep coming to the chef and getting dessert. Like, yo, what about these vegetables, though? Oh, yeah, no, I'll, take, I'll take the carrot cake. No, yes, 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 yes. I mean, there's carrots in that, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, there's carrots in this carrot cake. But you don't want the carrot, this carrot meal I made? No, no, let me get that carrot cake. Oh. So you, you're okay giving them what they want as long as you can also do what you want. Is that what you mean? I'm okay. I, I'm a chef. I make right. things that I need to re- release. Mm. What people select what they consume, what they select to be in their life. I have no control over that. I just have to do all types of stuff. Now, if someone says, man, all you're doing is making boom, boom, pals and my humps. I'm like, well, that's not true. I write my uh, street livings. I do Where's the Loves. Thank God Where's the Love was our, our first, you know, entry to success. Mm. Thank God that existed before the algorithm. Mm. Because maybe it wouldn't, maybe it wouldn't have, yeah, um, been what it was if it if it had come out today. Yeah, yeah. I've had this particular conversation with a lot of really interesting, smart, creative people. Um, I had it with um, one of the brothers of Bros, and he was like, "Just be kind and do great work, and it's good enough." But is it so? No, that's not enough. You have to go out there and be philanthropic as well. So that's why I went back to my neighborhood and started a school, after school program in 2008, before Boom Boom Pow. And, um, and I got a feeling. And, and I've continued that program, giving these kids from my community robotics and computer science skill sets. Now, almost over 12 years later, um, we serve over 15, just over 14,000 students. We've sent kids to Stanford, to Brown, to Dartmouth. We have amazing scholars from our program. And uh, singing about it, writing about it, that's not enough. Mm. You have to do about it. And, and technology, I'm a tech enthusiast. Um, music, I'm a musician because of tech. I play the computer, not the piano. I play the computer, not the drums. I play the computer, not the sax or the trumpet. That's my instrument. 
And it's the reason why I, I, I love tech so much. I, I, I salute the engineers. Um, had we won a Grammy on camera, I would have thanked the engineers for making the gramophone. That, that's a piece of technology, mm. that gramophone. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to do about it. Mm. Um, and, and so like writing about, writing about it is great. It's, for those that do, that's awesome. Mm. For those that sing about it, that's great. Um, because that's a start. Um, but then all the invisible folks that are out there, philanthropic, providing these programs for folks, that's amazing. Um, and we need to put some visibility on the invisible angels out there. Um, because, like I said, the algorithm renders a lot of these invisible angels invisible. Uh, mm. um, I'm going to need to look at my notes for this because in I wanted to research all the different things I thought I could find that you do, because I already knew you do a lot than a, a lot more than a lot of people know. So this is what I found. Can you pick that up in a minute? Um, rapper, singer, songwriter, producer, actor, designer, coder, investor, tech entrepreneur. I've probably missed some. To, to clear up some, so coding, I'm not a coder. You learned some, did you? Yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm a coder. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you learn something and you're not. You know? I learned how to play baseball. Am I a baseball player? Nah. I mean, I can hit it sometimes, but I don't consider myself a baseball player. I learned to do some coding, and I wish I had. I wish I was as fluent in coding as I'm fluent as songwriting. Um, yeah, but I'm not there. Um, Designer, I design some clothes, but I'm not a designer. That's not my like. That's not my thing. I'm, I design stuff for me, um, but that's not. I can't claim like. I, I respect designers and coders too much. That just because I dabbled in it, or dabble, doesn't mean I'm that. So I'm not a designer, even though I design, and I'm not a coder, even though I try to learn it. The other ones, producing. I loved. I love producing from the editing side, I'm a, I love to edit. You send me a song and be like, yeah, let me edit that. <laughs> like, I love editing. I love to write to other people's music, beats. I could, I could make beats and write to my own beats, and that, that process is great, but my writing to other people's stuff, it just comes out fast. I love that process. Um, actor, eh. I was in Wolverine. I look. I, I watch that back. I'm like, you know what I mean? That's cool. I can't say I'm an actor. I respect act. I, Leonardo DiCaprio grew up with that cat ever since we were 15. That guy's an actor. 16, going to clubs together. He's the best. So <laughs> I'm nothing. No way, bro. I'm not even in the same league. So acting, nah. Just because I was in a movie doesn't make me an actor. But I've acted. Um, and uh, what what else is that? Investor, investor, entrepreneur, yes. investor, entrepreneur, yep. Entrepreneur is like, investor, I made some pretty cool bets, invested in Tesla in 2007, before, 2006, seven before Elon took over the company. Um, Twitter early on, Pinterest, Dropbox, um, OpenAI, Anthropic, Hugging Face and Runway. Um, made some bad investments as well. Uh, missed out on some... <laughs> Some big ones because I was seeing it from 
made a, the biggest, learned the biggest lesson of my life. One of the biggest lessons of my life. I met Brian Chetsky before they had launched Airbnb. And he, he they were like, yo, we got 200K for you to come in. And uh, I'm like, wait, what about room service? What about concierge? And I was so like seeing it from my perspective of traveling the world, going to the best hotels, that I couldn't see going to somebody's house or renting a room or renting somebody's house without concierge, room service, and uh, you know, mm. maintenance. Like I don't think that, I don't think that's gonna work. So I didn't I didn't invest in Airbnb. Missed out mega, like big time missed out. Um, and that that lesson is never look at things or only look at things from your POV or what you would like. You got to think about what other people might like and enjoy and then how to improve concepts that other people could benefit from and not look at it from like, well, this is what I like. Other people are going to like it too. That's not always the case. You know? You don't seem scared to try new things. No, hell no. Because a lot of people are. A lot of people are afraid to fail and that new thing to them is like, well, what if I don't get it right? Or what if I fail? I don't want to go up to bat. What if I strike out? So I'd rather not get up to go up to bat. Mm. You, you see it like in a, you go to summits or conferences, somebody's talking, you know they got questions, and then they say, we're gonna open up the floor for questions and we would see any hands, and everybody's hands stay down <laughs> until that one brave person's like, and then that, after that one brave person, then other hands pop up. But why don't people want to raise their hand? when they're afraid of asking a stupid question after hearing a bunch of smart shit. Even though they have some questions of some of the smart things they said, but nobody wants to feel like they don't know or they feel they don't want to be perceived like they're stupid for asking a question. There are no stupid questions. You, yeah. Once you get your shoes, start off with an with a, with a, with a okay question that people would be like, okay, we're comfortable. People, when it comes to public perception, shut down. And when it comes to investments or starting new ideas or taking a leap, because there's eyes watching, people shut down. I say, fuck the eyes. Who cares? You you fail, you fail. You fall, you get up. You know, that's you know, what what only thing you're gonna lose is your ability to grow on a frequency level. How do you expand your spectrum? Are you just gonna stay RGB or are you trying to go from blue to purple? to violet, to ultraviolet, to x-ray. You really trying to go the full spectrum? You gonna stop at red? Or you gonna go to infrared, to radio? You, 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 you wanna go? How, how, how big is your spectrum? Just RGB, you just see color? Or you see all this other stuff that's coming from on the electromagnetic spectrum? Have you always been that way? Because um, I, I was petrified of rejection probably till I was 35, I'm 44 now. I had to bang it out of my head, unlearn it hard with therapy and personal development and God knows how many books. I was the fat kid in school. I got rejected from sports and girls. And from age 13, when I lost all the weight, it was just still there for, what, a quarter of a century mm. until being an entrepreneur and, and business and having somewhat of a public profile finally shook it out of me. <laughs> but I don't get that baggage with you. But there's people like me who have got that baggage. I think because I was raised in an all-Mexican neighborhood and we were there were, there were only a few black families in my neighborhood, 
that a lot of that stuff got out of me because we were different. And then being poor, going to a rich school and seeing rich folks go to school with lunch bags and lunch pails and you had like a government ticket for free food um, and you had secondhand clothes, but the rich folks said, wow, I like your outfit. Oh, you, you like this? Yeah, you dress cool. Oh, encouragement goes a long way, especially when you're different or when if or you're underserved or underdeveloped or poor. And I remember going to school, I didn't have a belt one day, so I put a tie, my uncle's tie on as a belt, tie the double Windsor knot, and that was my belt. And the rich kids were like, dang, William, that's funky. Oh, oh you like this? Oh, well, shit then. What? Well, damn. So your, my, uh, my disability financially became my ability because creativity was my currency. Creativity is my currency. I'm rich creatively. I may not have money now, but as soon as I get these ideas out, shit, <laughs> these motherfuckers are gonna grow. So, you know, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Somebody's gonna talk shit to you. Now, what if you're a farmer? Take a perspective of a farmer. Farmers need shit. It's called manure. So if somebody's talking shit, give it to me. I need that shit. Talk all the shit you want. I'm gonna grow some shit with that shit. Cause I'm a farmer, bro. There's nothing you can tell me that's gonna fuck up my frequency. So why don't you save your energy? But if you wanna give out energy, well, send me that energy, bro. I'm a fucking, I am a fucking, what is that called? The, the, the on uh, the motherfucking shit that brings the sun in, sunlight in, you know that shit? Greenhouse? Oh. Let's go, no, no, solar panel. Ah, bosh. What I'm, Jenny a, is? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a solar panel. If you're going to waste your energy talking shit about me, well, shit, that's too bad for you. You giving me the energy I need to fucking go. What? So what? Oh, what? I'm going to fucking take this. I'm going to take off. I fall. You going to laugh at me? Well, shit, I need that energy to get back up. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> this shit was funny, huh? <laughs> I fucked up, right? God damn it. I ain't going to fuck up next time because I learned. And if I fall again, guess what? That shit was funny, right? Who get, oh shit, I scraped my, well that hurts though. Me, my knee that's bleeding here, that actually hurts. My emotions, that shit was funny. I'm not, I'm not, that's not my kryptonite. You know why that's not my kryptonite? Because I survived crypts tonight. That's gangbang, right? Your words are not going to release blood. You know why? Because I grew up around bloods. I grew up around trollos and crypts. And that's more terrifying than any words that you have to say to me. Any opinion perspectives. Nah, you gotta have that mentality. And you gotta be able to take constructive criticism. If somebody's laughing at you because they say your breath smells, you gotta be like, oh, damn it, my breath does smell, huh? Oh shit, I gotta do something about that. They're not, people are not talking shit only to talk shit. They're not hating just to hate. This mentality is like, yo, they hating on me. No, they just hate that your breath smells. You should do something about it. There's some truth to some of the things that people say. You gotta be able to, you have to be self-aware. Maybe your breath does smell. Check it if somebody says it does. Mm. Maybe, just maybe. And if, and if it doesn't, and if you're the only one checking, you gotta be able to then tell your friends like, yo, must just smell? I mean, were they? And if your friend says no, but then another friend says yes, then you need to check that one friend. Or you go to the dentist and be like, yo, do I got like, is there something going on here? Because a, a couple people have been telling me about my breast things. 
then the dentist who's get, who gets paid to make sure you're all right is going to tell you the truth. As soon as you go to a dentist after everybody's been saying your breath smells, their whole premise is to get your shit correct. So you cannot fold or get shaken up from public opinion. Because if, if, if there's truth in that public opinion, then you got to use that truth to grow. Even if it's personal like your breath smells. It's okay to be told the truth. What are you going to do about it? I woke up this morning, my breath stung. And then I brushed my teeth. Do you know I was <laughs> random one? You know you see the set. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, thanks, Harry. Um, that was my favourite piece so far. Thank you, Will. Oh, the breath. Yeah, no, the the whole piece. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm British. I have a much bigger British following than I do American. And we seem to be more risk averse. We seem to, for example, one of my biggest fears is going bust and I can handle losing all my money. I would not like to lose other people's money. I just think that that would, I just would do anything not to lose other people's money. And I think that's limited me a, a little bit. Maybe I'd have a billion dollar company if I wasn't so worried. And um, in England, it's like losing money or someone else's money or an investor's money is really bad. My American friends tell me it's part your CV and you need to have done it a couple of times before you're unicorn. Is there anything you can say to us British people specifically around the you might lose investors money part? If I had, I like to use my own money. Even when I didn't have money, I like to work really hard. I love it. And people that see your hard work, they want to see you win. And Jimmy Iving was one of the first people that believed in my go, go, go mentality that he invested a lot of money in my ideas. And I thank that, I thank that man for seeing the quality, my tenacity. Um, and I remember one day somebody said, yo, you, you owe the record company like $5 million. We got signed in 1997. Our first record came out in 1998 and we went on tour. 1998, 1999, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, and finally we saw success, the end of 2003 with Words of Love. But before we even got there, Jimmy's like, um, I, I, we, we talked about like this new record at, called Elephant at the time. And I remember somebody telling because usually they drop an artist if they don't think they're going to ever recoup the money owed. That's a daunting thing when you're creating and you know debt is stacking. What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to... Um, it's a selfish thing. You have to be selfless. You have to realize that you are creating a service. Your ideas are to service society. If you're doing things for you, it's called a hobby. And you could still do, you could still have a fulfilling life creatively while work for somebody else. But if you want to work for yourself and your creativity or whatever it is you want to do is now a service to other people, you have to think about other people. And the moment I learned that is when, you know, I never thought Where's the Love would be a hit because I'm like, no, this is too, we're talking about some serious hardcore stuff. Let's get started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this is a hit, you know. Shut up. Yep, yep. That's a hit. that's a hit. But now where's the love? Not this song. And when it became a hit, wow. 
that told me something about humanity that I never thought. And it's beautiful. It has everything to do with other people's money. Because to get us to develop, to become a successful group under Universal, that's other people's money. Eventually, you still have to pay it back, so you're still paying it with your future earnings. So you're taking a bet on yourself. Are you taking a bet on yourself to win or lose? If you're taking a bet on yourself to lose, then you get money up front. If you're taking on a bet on yourself to win, then you take a bet on the back end. If you take a bet on the back end, then other people's money, you gotta treat it like it's yours. Because it is yours on the back end. If you don't think you're gonna be successful on the back end, then you get money up front, and then your shit's watered down. Because you, you sold out, sold out's a, a harsh word. You're only looking at it short-sighted. And the same thing is for investors. If, if you, investments or entrepreneurship, if, do you believe in your idea? And how long do you want that idea to manifest? Are you gonna sacrifice everything and weigh it out until it's successful? Until it's successful, it could be four years, five years, 10 years. Are you in it for the long run? Are you in it for trial and trial and try and try and try again? Or are you in it from the perspective of tech and entrepreneurship would fail fast? Because fail, fail fast, that's cool, that's, that's one path. There's another path like, no, I'll, this idea, I'm sticking through it, I don't care how many times I have to pivot, I'm in it. Because my time is my money, my creativity is my currency, and my reputation is my foundation. And eventually people will see my commitment, my belief, and it will render itself successful. And if you come at it from that perspective, then investors will believe, the people will, will you will resonate in, in society as like, okay, this person really truly believes in what their solution or service is, and somebody will like it. Somebody will gravitate towards it. There's lots of shitty shit on the shelves. How did it get there? There's lots of shitty songs on streaming platforms. How did it get there? There's lots of shitty TV shows. There's a shit tons of shitty movies. How did they get out? And if shit is out there in the world and farmers need shit, then what about your gems? What about your rubies? What about your diamonds? What about your freaking solutions? What about your remedies? You got to be the usher of your own ideas and be patient to materialize those things and treat everybody's money like your money because eventually it will be your money. Sorry if that's long-winded, right? But you have to have that like dedication, belief, that nurturing mother to your ideas, to the things and the products and the services you want to bring into society. It's like that mother, the mother, not the father. I had hundreds of questions requested to ask you because often I'll give them a little tip off of where I'm going and what I'm doing and who I'm interviewing. And um, what this came out way on top about coping with and dealing with ADHD. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how you label yourself, but plenty of people were telling me you label yourself with ADHD. I have a different view on labels, but um, what's your view on dealing with it, harnessing it for creativity? Is it something that you identify that you do have? Is it a kryptonite or a superpower? In school, um, I've, I've always been hyperactive. I've always been you know, the kid in school that was always moving about, um, hard to focus on what the teacher was trying to tell me. Is that just because you weren't interested in that? Sorry to interrupt. Um, yes and no. 
I would have been interested if they made it interesting. You can make any subject that's not interesting interesting. Mm. And so then maybe the kid doesn't have ADHD. I think ADHD is not the problem for the person that they claim has ADHD. It's the problem for the person that doesn't know how to, you know, reach a hyperactive person. And hyperactivity is a superpower. And if you take a look at all the folks that impact, uh, a lot of them are hyperactive. They have hyper thoughts. Mm. Whether their thoughts are hyper or their energy is hyper, um, that hyperactivity and attention disorder, okay, let's break that down, focus. And let's, uh, let's take a look at society as a whole now because of this conditioner where everybody's mind has been reconfigured to notification and pop-ups. And let's see how many people now can have full-on focused conversations. I guarantee you most of the people in, in popular culture probably has some form of attention disorder. And it's been proven that ADHD was fueled by pharma to um, give kids drugs to make it easier for teachers to have like this um, one size fits all teaching um, style. Not every kid's the same. So to expect little Bobby to learn like Melissa, well, that's not fair to Bobby if Bobby is hyperactive. That doesn't mean Bobby is not brilliant. As a matter of fact, I bet you Bobby is brilliant and you're suppressing them to learn at the speed of everyone else. What if we taught Bobby at his speed and, and focused on what Bobby's really good at? Maybe Bobby's not a historian. Maybe Bobby's not a mathematician. Maybe Bobby is a problem solver. Maybe Bobby's a, a strategic. Maybe he's a freaking a wizard at other things. Has anybody tried to figure out what Bobby's superpower is? Or you can, are you labeling Bobby to be like everybody else in the class that fits into this teaching regimen? That doesn't really, you know, point to everybody getting jobs after they go through this course of school. Like, does education really produce careers? Right now, in society, you have to have a diploma to work for a company. Not mine. <laughs> but for, to have a company, you just have to have an idea. Like, if you want to have, like, the best job in the world, companies would be like, um, what college did you go to? What's your degrees? But to create a company that people work for, you just have to have an idea. Now, how do we get those people to start creating ideas? Right? Bill Gates. I mean, sorry, Steve Jobs. I'm sorry, Mark Zuckerberg. Did he graduate college? Austin Russell, the guy from Luminar, created LADAR technology for autonomous vehicles. Did he graduate college? Hello. Hello. Wait for the ad. I just want to know Bill Gates. Did Bill Gates graduate college? And what entrepreneurs that have these mega companies actually graduated from college. And this is dangerous because I, I try to go to the hood and tell kids to go to college. So <laughs> you still need to go to college. Don't get me wrong. But teaching everybody at, to, 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 to be at the same speed as everybody, you're going to miss a lot of diamonds. Mm. If you want everybody to be rocks. If you're not taking the time to polish certain rocks to realize that they're diamonds, you're going to miss out on a lot of fucking diamonds. And I think that's what we have right now. Mm where you're with they're medicating diamonds to be rocks instead of polishing certain rocks to be diamonds. Mm. I wish I had more time to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a medicating diamonds to be rocks instead of polishing rocks to be diamonds. Mm. Yeah, I like that one. Mm. So we have your hard stop in T minus very short amount of time. Can I do a super fast quick fire round? Yeah, boom. is that all right? Um, have you ever rejected a song that became a big hit? Yeah, I wrote a song um, called Ordinary People for Black Eyed Peas, and it didn't fit right for us, but it became a big hit for John Legend. Um, a, somebody gave me a song, um, and I didn't like it because it was bragging about money, um, and it was uh, Chris Brown's I'm Getting Paper, and I, I recorded it, but I was like, I don't like bragging about money but it became a big hit for him. Um, yeah, those are the two. Mm. One I wrote, another one someone wrote. John Baptiste, thank you so much for the, uh, I'm getting paid for, <laughs> but it, it was better for Chris Brown. Mm. Gotta, gotta hit it, but it would hit, and then that never, Buster Rhymes probably never would have had that awesome verse. It had Black Eyed Peas taking that song. So thank God for us not wanting to rap about money. So we are blessed with that amazing Buster Rhymes verse on that Chris Brown song. It's freaking brilliant. Most disruptive musician in the world right now? Most disruptive musician in the world right now? Demis from DeepMind, who created that freaking AI. Um, yeah, that one's that was pretty disruptive. Because now you have to rethink what a musician is. Hmm. Is it the AI or is it the person that developed or the team that developed the AI music machine that can make awesome sounds and play We'll give you the illusion that's playing the guitar because it sounds like it, but I think Demis and the Deep Mind guys and the Google Cats, that's a, that's a pretty bold statement. But right now, yeah, that's... Mm. Oh, but human, human, human musician? <laughs> so the most disruptive human musician <laughs> in the world right now, Thundercat, amazing bassist, Thundercat. Um, Bruno Mars, he's amazing musician plays multiple instruments. He's awesome. And uh, yeah. Best and worst advice you ever remember receiving? Worst advice I remember receiving was don't put Fergie in the group. What are you crazy? That's stupid. That was the worst advice somebody gave me because they're obviously have been proven wrong. Um, she was awesome. Addition to our, to our squad at the right time. And so we ignored advice. The best advice, put Fergie in the group. Jimmy Ivan, best advice. Biggest regret? Biggest regret? Not learning how to code when I was 16, because I would have been fucking awesome. Shit, if I knew how to code when I was fucking 16, you know how fucking awesome I would be at fucking coding? <laughs> Fuck out of here. I love, I love editing and making shit and staring at the computer. If my brain was configured to code, Python, C++, you know, the new stuff like Flutter or React Native or QT, whatever, give a fuck what it is, I would be the shit. But it's cool though. I get to work with fucking coders that code, you know, banter and I still like to collaborate. But sometimes I want to be like, no, not the way, let me, oh, that's right. I don't know how to do it. Damn it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hate that. I can't just be like, no, not the way, I could freaking. Wrong universe. <laughs> I'm really awesome in one of these universes. <laughs> Not this one. Damn it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I usually end the show by asking people what disruptive means to them, but I'm going to reword it for this one. 
F-Y-I-A-I. Mm. How is that disruptive? Focus your ideas with AI. That's disruptive because the current state of phone is not about focus. It's about bombardment on attention. Your attention is spread all over the place. Everyone's sucking energy from you and there's no real incentive to, or tool that is complete focus in the architecture of the product itself. You have an idea, you need a messenger to help you corral your team to stay focused on that idea. And to stay focused on that idea, here's, you know, digital asset management file storage in the same place where your messages are. And to keep your data and digital assets safe, here's an encryption key because crypto told us the importance of encryption keys. But why isn't the same type of architecture for my ideas and my conversations? Why just NFTs? Why can't I have encryption for my thoughts, conversation, and team flow? And that's, that's, that's disruption when it comes to messengers. Because if you go to any other type of messenger, you don't have that. You have to have all these different satellites to have the messenger work um, in the way that FYI works. And disruption, disruption is, is, is awesome. But I think moving forward, disruption was for Web 2.0. Like you had taxis. Uber came and said, hey, we're going to disrupt your relationship with taxis. It's like an interrupt. They interrupted a conversation with you in a taxi. Interruption, disruption. We walked away. Here's something else. Disruption wasn't around like that for Web 1.0, right? The Web 1.0 was a disruption itself. And then that concept splintered and brought us Airbnbs. Oh, yeah, hotels? Nah, see, I missed out on that one. Hotels? We're going to disrupt lodging. You, too, now have a villa, have access to a villa. Wait, you, you want to stay at that hotel? You want a, your own house. Make it feel like it's yours. That's very disruptive. And now that we're moving from social media to intelligence media, where I'm literally having a conversation with the internet, like a real flow, I'm not searching anything. If, if, if the wisest person came in here and walked in here, are you gonna search him or search her or search them? Or are you gonna have a conversation with them? You're gonna have dialogue with them. You go to a library and you search the library. You don't search the librarian. But what if the librarian had all the information everything that's in the library. You can have a conversation with the librarian. You're not gonna search him, her, or them. And so we're gonna go from social media where you socialize to well, the theory that you're socializing to intelligence media where you're gonna have intellectual conversations undisrupted. Like I try to freaking YouTube and Google, here comes fucking commercials, which is cool, commercials are great. But I think the disruption in the, in the age of intelligence, you don't wanna disrupt intelligent information flow. You don't want to interrupt the download of intelligence in this new renaissance that we're walking into. Um, and to do that, it's conversational, so messengers are important. Your data is important, so a key is important. The key for what? To organize all your thoughts, all your ideas, all your, you know, the precious digital assets that you've been working really hard on. So our vision, my vision at FYI is don't kill the messenger because the messenger is going to be something really important when messages and the message is going to materialize industries of tomorrow. Sorry, 
You're going to materialize ideas to create industries of tomorrow. A message is pathways for people to, you know, get out of their certain circumstance, whether it's mental, physical, or conceptual. Don't kill the messenger and focus your ideas with AI. (laughs) This has been fun, insightful, inspiring. Thank you very much, Will. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.